Well, good evening, beloved. Again, uh, if you have your copy of God's Word there with you, I hope you'll open to Romans chapter 3. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, five verses together this evening, Romans three twenty-one through 26. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 is our focus for tonight's uh, sermon, and we've entitled it Our Only Hope. So let's read this uh, passage of Scripture together, and then we'll jump into our uh, sermon this evening. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21, this is God's word to his people. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And we praise God for the ability to read his word together this evening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity we have now to, to worship you through the preaching of your word. And Father, I know it's the longing of our heart to be back together in one room and uh, preaching and proclaiming this message to people uh, together and being able to sing together. And Father, we are mindful that we long for that day. But in the time uh, being, I pray that this sermon would, would encourage us and, and challenge us to think again about what our only hope in life is in the midst of a world that seemingly even more so seems to have less and less hope. So be with us now as we make our way through your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As we kind of live through this pandemic, we kind of have all found ourselves with probably a little bit more time on our hands and we probably had more time uh, to do schoolwork, supposedly, uh, more time to uh, enjoy a hobby, probably even more time to enjoy uh, TV and movies. And if I were going to ask you this evening, what would be an uh, iconic movie line that you would remember or think about? Th there's probably a, a myriad of lines that would come out. I think one that stands out through the test of time, though, finds from that great series Star Wars in episode four when Princess Leia sends the message, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. I think that message uh, transcends time because we all find ourselves in situations where we're down to our, our last hope. It's our last ditch effort. Uh, we're making our last movement on something or, or we're making our last plan of attack. And I think it's important for Christians to, to step back from time to time and remember and be reminded of what our only hope is. Um, this uh, line from a movie has been adapted time and time again to, to fit different situations and circumstances. And I think the reason why many people resonate with that line, uh, you're our only hope or this is our only hope, is because we live in a day and time that is increasingly uh, believing themselves to be self-sufficient. They believe about themselves that they can kind of pull themselves up by the, their bootstraps, that they are reliant on no one. But if anything we've learned 
as a result of going through a global pandemic is that we are not as self-sufficient as we really think we are and believe ourselves to be. And in fact, we're, we're finding ourselves relying on each other and trusting each other probably more now than ever. But in this particular passage, Paul wants to get the attention off of people, off of themselves, and onto where their one true hope resides. And that's in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I think that as we look at this particular text tonight, what we see here communicated are are three words that really describes who Christ is as our only hope. And and the first word that Paul kind of communicates as this idea, my word that I, I think Paul would communicate is that Christ is available. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Here, Paul makes it clear that he's previously been writing about how all of humanity stands condemned, and he now points to the availability of Christ. This is where Paul is pushing us to. In these great first four chapters, Paul now finds himself transitioning. He uses the language, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. If our only hope is a righteousness that's outside of ourselves, which Paul is making clear here, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. So there's this outside righteousness that we need. There's this outside righteousness that we cannot obtain for ourselves. This is the idea that Paul has been painting the picture of in these first three chapters that you and I stand condemned to die, that we stand uh, condemned guilty of our sin, that the sin is not something that we merely commit. It's on the inside of us. There is no part of us that is not affected by the result of this indwelling sin nature. And, And so there must be a righteousness that is placed on our account that is not our own. Paul makes it clear that our only hope is that we need this righteousness to be uh, placed on our account. And it is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ that makes this available. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, verse 22 says, to all and on all who believe. Paul is saying here that we understand how we can be made righteous. Look again at these verses. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul records for us an action with an object. And I think it's important for us to slow down and see this play out. Paul is saying, if you desire, if you uh, want to believe in this righteousness to be placed on your account, there is an action that must have a proper object. He says first that it's Faith, the the righteousness of God is achieved by faith. But it's not just an amorphous type of faith. It's not just a faith that is kind of floating out in front of us. No, this faith has an object. It's an objective reality. It's Jesus Christ. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So it's faith in Christ. It's not faith about Christ. It's not faith about a religious system. It's not faith in in a group or a club or an identifying marker. No, it is faith 
in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's available to all who believe. Paul also wants to make sure that he is highlighting the universal nature of the offer of the gospel. Now we need to slow down here because we, we can hear words like universal offer and we need to make sure that we don't confuse that with universal acceptance. The, the Apostle Paul is not arguing here that everyone will believe and be saved. In fact, he says that it is available through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. The gospel offer is universal in its nature, but it is very restrictive in its application. It's restrictive in this sense. It's for those who believe. Paul is clear that not all will be saved because not all will believe. Nevertheless, the offer is still good for all people. We often think about in these days where we find ourselves more restricted than ever. How can we get the gospel message to people? Well, it's simple. It's the same way we did it before, maybe with different means. We're we're responsible, if you will, for spreading that gospel message. If we think of the gospel narratives, we, we think of the story that Jesus shares with his disciples about the sower who goes to seed, to sow seed. And what that sower does is he's responsible for casting the seed. And he casts the seed. And he casts the seed all over the land. And it falls on four different types of soil. Now, the, the, the sower who goes to sow that seed does not know what type of soil the seed will land on. But he does know it's his responsibility to sow the seed. And I think for Christians who are finding themselves in more restrictive times than ever, our responsibility still remains the same. To sow the gospel message, to cast the gospel message, to to say what the Apostle Paul says. That it's available to all who believe. Friend, if you're watching tonight and this is the first time you've ever considered what it means to be a Christ follower, it is available to you tonight. The, the gospel message is available to you. You, though, must believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. So I would stop here and, and just ask this question, just to kind of slow us down as we make our way through this text. And ask the question, have you taken advantage of the availability of the gospel? No doubt there are some who may be watching this for the first time or listening to this for the first time. And you've never even heard of the gospel message. This message of Jesus Christ, the perfect and sinless son of God, who came to this earth and took on the form of a human, was fully and truly man, yet was fully and truly God, and lived a perfect and sinless life, and paid a debt he did not have to pay. He did not owe the debt payment, but he was the only one who could actually pay the debt. And he paid the debt of our sin through his death, And then was buried and rose again on the third day. We think just a few days ago, we celebrate Easter. And it's such a a wonderful day to talk about the good news of the gospel. 
But in reality, the good news of the gospel is a message that isn't just proclaimed on Easter Sunday. It's proclaimed 365 days a year and should be from the mouths of Christians. And I want to simply ask whether this is the 400th time you've heard the gospel message or the first time. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And then for those of us who have trusted in Christ, are we in the regular habit of showing the availability of this gospel message? Are we in the regular habit of of sharing and making much of Jesus, even in days where it's difficult? I think probably the, the encouraging component, looking for bright spots and bright lights in the midst of a dark world, is we've been once again reminded of the fact that it is appointed for everyone that they will die. We've been reminded of that. And that you might say, why is that a bright spot? Because it awakens slumbering and sleeping Christians to the reality of the fact that I need to be a stronger witness. I need to be a stronger testimony for the gospel. I need to share what it means to follow Christ more. That's the bright light. That's the bright hope. We have more time than ever to reach out to loved ones, friends, and people we haven't even met be able to have a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Are you making available the gospel message? Romans chapter 10, we're going to get there. It'll be a while before we do, so we'll just cut to the chase here. How can they hear unless someone tell them? How can they put their faith and trust in Christ unless someone goes to them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good a message of good news, Romans chapter 10 says. Let's be those people who are taking this message. And then the second word, I think, that kind of unpacks for us who Christ is. We see first he's the availability, and then number two, we see Christ is the one who justifies. Justify is an important word, and we need to pay attention. This this particular passage helps us as we think about the message of Christ and what he does. Look at verse 23. Well, we'll back up. The the sentence is kind of half in 22 and then fully in 23. For there is no difference. There's no distinction. Paul is saying there's no distinction between any of humanity. What what is that non-distinction? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, we would say, of course, Paul, you've been belaboring this point. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone's a sinner. We've got that. Right, but the good news of the gospel is right behind verse 23. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul unpacks for us how Christ works. He is the justifying agent. He is justifying that God is justifying humanity on the basis of Christ's work is what is being unpacked for us in verse 24. We are justified freely by his grace. This means that no human uh, being strongholds God or, or twists his arm into justifying people. No, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is available in Christ Jesus. We, we think about justifying freely. This idea that we are saved according to, to God's plan. This is God's very good and right plan to justify humanity through Jesus Christ. 
And it's by his grace. This unmerited favor. And and we know because Paul will unpack for us in Ephesians chapter 2. That we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. So that we understand that it's not of anything that we've done. Otherwise we would brag about it. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. The work of Christ is the sealing moment of justification, is what makes justification possible. This idea that we are made right with God, that God places Christ's righteousness on our behalf. We, uh, on Sunday morning, talking through our small groups, talked about this idea that Jesus Christ paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. And I'm justified. I'm declared righteous. Not because of anything in me, not because of who I am, not because I did something great, not because I'm wonderful or God saw something in me worthy of saving me. No, because I am saved as a result of Christ's work on the cross. And my faith in Christ saves me by God's grace. We need to be reminded of the fact that without Christ's justifying work on the cross, we continue to stand condemned and we need a sacrifice that is sufficient to stand in our place. We need to be justified. But if we're honest, a lot of us are relying on some sort of our own argument to justify us. We think that we're crafty. We think that we're powerful enough. We think that we can kind of come up with an argument that will be strong enough to justify us on the basis of who we are. That is humanity. And we're reminded time and time again inside of the scriptures, we cannot justify ourselves. We cannot. And I would ask you, as we kind of continue to, to build on this text, do you see the need to be justified by Christ? Do you see your need? Do you see yourself rightly as God's word calls you to see yourself? Verse End of verse 22, going into verse 23. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you see yourself standing in need of a savior? And then I would ask this question too. Do you see the importance of pointing people away from your credit, if you will, to making salvation all of Christ? In other words, Christian, tonight, When you share your testimony, hopefully this week, you'll take the opportunity to share with someone how you came to know Christ. Are you consumed in talking about yourself or are you making much of Christ when you share your testimony? There is nothing inherent. There's nothing inside of David Botts that makes him worthy of being saved. But at the age of five, Someone shared the gospel probably for the 50th, 60th, 70th time with me at a camp with my family. We had gone on a family camp trip to to Wisconsin 
and, and there was through a, a Bible teaching time with, with children my own age that the gospel message became clear to me. And I understood who I was and I understood who Christ was and I repented and believed in Jesus Christ. There's nothing about me that makes me worthy of being saved. And I think a lot of times Christians, when sharing the gospel message and sharing their testimony, can be tempted to make much of themselves when we need to make much of Christ. He is the one who is making justification available to us. So I just ask you again, are you justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? Not of your own works, but all of Christ's work. And then finally tonight, we see first the availability of Christ. We see the availability of salvation, this availability of hope beyond all hope. Then we see the the justifying work of, of Christ on the cross. And then finally, we see tonight Paul describing for us who Christ is, what his work was. So I just think this word described helps us to unpack who and what Christ has done. We we read that in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then beginning in verse 25 and going to verse 26, Paul describes for us what this looks like. Whom God set forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness and that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. There are several key phrases in these two verses that describe for us Christ's work and God's work through Christ. First, we read about in verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation. This idea of Christ being the propitiation. Propitiation meaning that Christ has bore the wrath that was ours on the cross, that he stands in our place and appeases the wrath of God, satisfies the wrath of God. That he is the one who makes a way for humanity to be made right with God. There must be a substitutionary sacrifice. Someone must stand in the place of humanity because humanity cannot save themselves. And Christ stands in our place on that cross as the propitiation for our sin. There on that cross, we just sang about it. There on the cross, he dies and God's wrath is satisfied as a result of it. We don't like to talk about this very much because we don't like to think of a holy God needing something to satisfy the wrath that is turned against our sin. We don't like to talk about a wrathful God. We like to talk about a loving God. But God's holiness, justness, righteousness demands that a payment must be made for our sin. And in God's grace, mercy, and love, he sends his son to be that sacrifice, that substitutionary sacrifice for us. But notice how this must come about. 
he says, propitiation by his blood. It is impossible to be forgiven or made right without the shedding of blood. Hebrews tells us this. It is with this blood sacrifice, it's with the pouring out of the, the blood of Christ and the death and his burial and his resurrection that salvation is made available to people. That is our only hope. And we're reminded that because of his blood, the shedding of Christ's blood, that God is able to pass over the sins. We, we read, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. God's righteousness is on full display here because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. We're reminded of the story of the Passover. That as the, the nation of Israel is getting ready to, to, to leave Egypt and, and the final uh, of the 10 plagues are being sent, the death of the firstborn is told to us in the book of Exodus where Moses instructs the nation of Israel that they're to observe the Passover and they're to dop the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death passes and comes through, because of the, the blood that is there on the doorposts, the angel of death passes by. We're, we're reminded of the fact that Christ's death makes it possible for God to pass over our sins that were previously committed and will be committed in the future because God places because of our faith in Christ alone we are saved and justified and made right so God's God imputes we use that language God imputes he he takes Christ's righteousness and places it on our account and sees us in a way that he did not see us before Christ's righteousness was imputed on our account. All of this is done to demonstrate God's character. Read verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness and that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. This act of Christ and our faith in Christ alone demonstrates that God is just and the justifier. He, he is just and he does justify. This is important for us to see. I would want to ask you at this point, especially if you claim to know Christ and you have the, the testimony of your life is one of trusting in him, of believing in and having faith in Christ alone. Do you reflect on the goodness of the message of the gospel regularly? Do you regularly enjoy and reflect on God's goodness to you in sharing and giving and the son submitting in the message of the gospel? I think it's far too easy for us to take for granted Christ's work, the more and especially the longer we've done Christ. Which brings me to this next question. What or when was the last time you thanked God for his work in your life? That, that he would save you. 
Is it regular? How can this take place? How can all of this this event, this good news of the gospel take place and you place your faith and trust in Christ and not be exceedingly thankful. And then finally, again, I would just ask, are you in the regular habit of sharing what God has done for you? Friend, tonight you can place your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be at a church to do this. You don't have to You don't have to do anything other than call upon the name of the Lord to save you, to believe in Jesus Christ alone, that you would repent of your sins. This this repentance, this idea of being broken and sorrowful for the, the sins that you've committed against God and then realizing and believing who Jesus Christ is, believing in him and calling on him to save you. You can do that this evening. And I would encourage you, if you, if you, if you do that, to, to reach out to one of us, to let us know that we might be able to help you and help you continue to grow in your walk with Christ. And then Christ follower tonight. We've been reminded again, every time I read this passage, I'm reminded again of how un, un I don't even know how to put it into words. How incredibly grateful I am. And at times, how incredibly ungrateful I am at at the same time for what God has done. And to be reminded of that tonight and and the need to continue to share it with people all around the world. But even more specifically, to make sure I'm sharing it with the people that I come in contact with regularly. So I pray tonight that we might be encouraged to look to Christ as our only and sufficient hope. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for tonight and the time we've been able to share in your word. I pray that those who are watching or listening to this might be convicted of their need for you and and trust in you through the work of Christ for their salvation. Father, for those of us who know you, who have come to to saving faith, I pray that we would be encouraged and reminded of the fact that our only hope in life and death is you. And it's the person and work of Jesus Christ that makes all of this possible. And that we would be ferocious in our desire to let people around us know why this is such great and good news and why it is the only place where we can have true and lasting hope. Be with us in the remainder of our week. Give us opportunities to share the gospel. And and Father, we also pray that soon we might be able to gather again together in worship. And what a sweet time that will be. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We're so thankful that you have taken the time uh, to to be with us and worship with us this evening. Uh, If you have questions or want help or want to even let us know of a decision you've made to, to trust in Christ, or maybe this has solidified your understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on any one of our social media platforms. We love you all. We hope that we are able to, to worship again together soon. And until then, uh, we look forward to worshiping with you online again.